the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a marvelous show for you tonight. Tonight, we are fortunate to be joined by a special guest who joins us by the beautiful country of Canada. Larry, who do we have with us this evening? Sure, Wendy. He's a well-known advocate for the poor and the homeless. Canadian clergyman and civil and human rights activist Artur Pulowski is a Canadian who was born in Poland. He has witnessed firsthand in Poland the heavy hand of communism, controlling every aspect of people's lives. He migrated to Canada in 1995. Pastor Artur came to know God when his stillborn child was miraculously healed. He began charity work with the homeless on the streets of Calgary and started street church ministries. During the COVID-19 lockdowns in Canada, Pastor Artur Pulowski refused to shut his doors to those in need and was continuously harassed by the police of Calgary. But it was when he performed church services for the truck drivers of Canada's Freedom Convoy that he faced a frightening persecution that he's about to tell us about. Welcome to the program, Pastor Pulowski. Thank you so much for having me in. I'll tell you, Pastor, there are so many questions I have. I wish we had like three hours to, to have you share with us. But because time is limited, I am very interested in the just absolutely miraculous story of how your son, Nathaniel, was supernaturally healed by God. Could you just give us a sort of a snapshot of that story? Yeah, it usually takes me an hour and a half. <laughs> so people have to watch a documentary that was done. It's called Street advocate street advocate the movie it's a story about what happened to us and what happened to him he was born with a heart on the opposite side smash lungs he was still born um they by a miracle brought him back to life only to come to me and say uh, he's not going to survive even if he lives this night he's going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life and of course the story is fascinating it was a miracle. It went all over the world, including the courts, including uh, the medical establishment. He was healed. His heart moved to its natural place within a few hours, and the lung that was not there appeared <laughs> within a few hours, which, of course, medically, that was an impossibility. Uh, so my son is 22 years old. He went to United States ministering with me last year and he took over the ministry 
when I was in prison, actually my son Nathaniel, his name is Nathaniel, which means gift from God, which was born the same day I was born, is a person that did uh, the longest ongoing everyday protest outside of prison when I was in uh, solitary confinement. So uh, not only God saved his life, but he has given me a son that uh, takes over the legacy uh, of being a freedom fighter and standing on the word of God and also God and state given rights. Wow. Uh, Pastor Artur, what led to your church being harassed by the Canadian authorities? Was it the city of Calgary doing this or did it go higher up in the Canadian government? Oh, I think it's a lot higher than that. It's a globalism, greatest takeover we've ever seen. I mean, they've tried it before and they want to do the same thing. They want to take over the whole world, new world order, enslaving everyone. Like they say, they're not even hiding. You will own nothing and you will be happy. And uh, <laughs> it's right. It's right in front of you. Uh, the depopulation and the craziness that they are cooking for the rest of us. Um, the Canadian government, of course, is following the new world order um, and uh, came and tried to shut us down. I resisted. I became the first Canadian to get a COVID ticket. And then our record was 100 police officers, 52 police cars, anti-terrorists, um, arrests after arrest. I was arrested already 16 times over 100 court case, cases, uh, 40 COVID tickets, and now I'm facing terrorist charges uh, for uh, officiating a church service for the truck convoy. I was charged with inciting people to come to a church, officiating an illegal gathering, participating in legal illegal gathering, not wearing a muzzle, um, all kinds of different things. I was escorted out by the police so many times I've lost count. And they invaded and they tried to invade our peaceful assembly so many times. I lost count of it, but we're still being strong. I am still a prisoner, except I changed my solitary confinement. Then later they took me to a psych ward and also they took me to a mic spot, which is for the most violent, dangerous offenders in Edmonton in a solitary uh, there. Uh, I'm uh, in my home, but I am on a curfew. I'm facing five or six trials, including the crazy one for terrorism uh, that I was charged when I gave my peaceful church service speech in Coots, Montana and Alberta border. You know, I, I, I almost feel like you're reporting from some country that nobody's ever heard of and that hasn't you know, uh, updated laws and civilization and all the rest of it. And then I keep remembering you're in Canada, you're in the, you're right next to us. I mean, when did, when did this and how did this start in a country that we think of as so similar to our own? Oh, it started uh, way, way before the COVID. The indoctrination, manipulation, propaganda, it started 40, 50 years ago. Um, under the Trudeau, the father of Justin Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau, uh, he implemented communism and socialism, and of course, he's um, wannabe son because we know that, you know, Justin Trudeau is a son of Fidel Castro. Uh, said that he has a huge admiration with the Chinese dictatorship, and he's implementing just that. So Canada is no longer a free and democratic society. We are living in China, that behind the Iron Curtain, and as you can tell very quickly, I grew up behind the Iron curtain in Poland under the boots of the Soviets. So for me, it's a repetition of history. For most of the people, including Americans, 
for you, it's a shocker. You can't imagine that a peaceful and nice society like Canada would turn such a, such a, a Nazi way. Uh, but that's what we're experiencing. It looks like a lawlessness. It looks like zero accountability from the courts or from the political arena. And of course, sold out mainstream media are doing this to us. But it started with indoctrinating our children very, very long time ago. Uh, Pastor, I think I know the answer to this, but for our listeners, do you think the Christian church and Christians in Canada are being persecuted? And if yes, do you see that type of persecution coming to the United States? Oh, I believe it's already in the United States. Remember, last year I spent four months, I met pastors that were arrested for the same reasons, uh, ticketed millions of dollars. So persecution is already there. However, Americans are so different than Canadians. You're fighters. You're Like God said to me, tell this great American eagle that it's time for that eagle to rise up and start flapping its wings. So there's a lot more uh, lions, a lot more eagles flapping its wings and roaring. Um, uh, that's the difference between United States and Canada. So persecution is already here and... Um, it's growing. However, however, God is also raising up his army. And I see that as well. More and more people are being awakened. More and more people are pushing back. And we need more. You got to remember, you're talking to a guy that witnessed Solidarity Movement in 1980, where millions of Poles took it to the streets. The moment you realize how powerful you are, it's over for the villains. There's more of us than of them, but we have to unite. And we have to bring God back to our country. The Bible says that when the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You want your liberty back? Bring back the spirit of liberty, God of liberty, back to your society. And I'm telling you, it's over for the villains. Amen. You know, one of the things we've noticed during the course of the pandemic and and even in, you know, in the midst of other crises is that, is exactly that, that where the Lord is, we will always succeed. And, you know, it's, uh, there are so many scripture, we, scripture passages we can use for this. It's just amazing. Um, and it's also interesting to hear about the way in which you've incorporated that into your ministry, uh, both, you know, growing up and currently today. And it's also interesting to hear the extent to which you recognize or have talked about the way it's infiltrated other societies. Because, I mean, Larry and I are Christians. We go to church. We, you know, preach openly and, and have never faced any of these issues it sounds like the messages that you are um, relaying it's almost like they're being criminalized under statutes that are normally reserved for other types of speech is that do you feel that that's the case 100 percent. you gotta remember that totalitarian regime dictatorship whatever you want to call them they hate competition. When you are serving the king of kings, you become an enemy of the state because suddenly you're worshiping someone else than the government. Here, what we are witnessing globally is the government telling you what goes. They are gods, they're the virus, and whatever they say, it becomes the law. And suddenly Christians are coming and they say, no, wait a second, there is a higher God than you and we shall not bow before you. Like Mordecai refused to bow before the Haman and, uh, and of course, the gala was built for Haman, but we know who hanged on his own devices. And that's what I pray for. And I pray that their own devices will be turned on their own heads, on the villains' heads. Uh, Pastor, how quickly, how can we get a hold of you? How can people find out more about your work really quickly? We only have a few seconds. 
streetchurch.ca, streetchurch.ca. All the information is there. We are feeding thousands of people. We have no intention to stop doing what God called us to do. Amen. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and we have a very action-packed second half for you. It's almost impossible to fit in everything we want to say and everything we want to cover. But one of the headlines uh, of the week, uh, we, we saw, with the leak was the one thing, the leak of the SCOTUS opinion regarding overturning Roe versus Wade. We talked about the merits. We talked about the leak. We talked about how could this have happened? What does it mean for the future of the court? Now we're talking about the reality of the Supreme Court justices' safety. We have people that are chanting and yelling, and I, I hope they're not rioting, although there's mixed reports of the kids of people that are showing up to the justices' homes. Uh, you know, now I know the first question, of course, Larry and I are thinking is how in the world do these addresses leak? But I suppose if a decision aiming to overturn Roe were to leak, maybe we shouldn't wonder how easy it might be for the home addresses to leak. But be that as it may, we're now talking about the fact that it's a criminal violation federally to chant, picket, parade, protest in front of a justice's house, in front of a judge's residence with intent of influencing a vote. That, of course, would be the operative language. But, Larry, I mean, this this is virtually unprecedented in on a variety of levels that something like this is happening. We worry for the justice's safety. We also worry that this apparently, at least for some people, has become, and I'm going to put the, you know, it's not an acceptable, but a, 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 I mean, a form of communication or protest that isn't being denounced as quickly, at least so goes the argument, as it should be. What are your thoughts? Oh, 100%. And uh, it's uh, U.S. Code, uh, Title 18, Section 1507, that's in clear violation. It says, and I'm going to summarize really quickly, whoever with the intent of influencing any judge pickets or parades in or near a residence occupied are used by such judge... uh, shall be fined, uh, it'll be in violation, and they'll be imprisoned or, and or fined for that. And what is fascinating to me is just the other day, this week, uh, Jen Psaki, the president's uh, press secretary, basically said, oh, yeah, we know what's going on. As long as it's peaceful, uh, the president supports that. Well, basically, she's, she's breaking the law by saying that. And the president, if he really did say that, is, is breaking the law. And I know Justice Samuel Alito, just for one, who authored the draft of the opinion, was forced to leave his primary residence. And I don't blame him. Yeah, you know, um, Jen Psaki uh, sort of walked all that back. She no doubt read the statute, as have others, and made it very clear that the White House does not in any way, shape or form, support this type of uh, harassment, intimidation, attempted bullying, whatever you want to call it. And of course, you know, you and I both know as lawyers that anytime you have a statute with an intent element, we would want to know what are they chanting? 
change your vote or my vote, my body or women's rights or whatever it is. I've heard versions of all three. Um, but the fact that there actually are statutes on the books that are intended to prevent this type of attempted intimidation, if that's what it is, that would be the operative question. It also begs the question, Larry, people say, oh, free speech, but we've long lived with time, place and manner restrictions. This is nothing new. You can't stand in the middle of a residential neighborhood on a bullhorn at three in the morning. I mean, there are lots of ways in which we already have limitations, we'll say it that way, on your right to picket, to parade. It's funny that it's phrased that way. Um, to, and your right to express and peacefully protest. You know, Jen Psaki's got such a tough job. Sometimes I think she gets hit with questions before she's really ready and, and prepared to have researched the background to be able to give accurate answers. But that's part of what that job entails. Um, but, you know, part of, Larry, what we're, we're thinking and worrying about now is what impact, if any, it will have on the court. And I mean, these justices, they made their minds up probably before they heard oral argument in December. Is it a reasonable expectation that something someone is chanting in front of one of their homes is going to really cause them to change their vote? I don't think so. But just imagine just a couple summers ago, that summer of love, when all the uh, rioting and the burning happened <laughs> and the government officials, many of them said, oh, this is just a peaceful protest. You know, there's barely anything going on. And we all knew by watching TV and the video on the Internet that there was a lot going on. A lot of people got hurt. When there were buildings burning in yes. the background yeah. of the footage. Yes, and, exactly. And I think the especially the, I would say the left is basically so irresponsible. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot this week on Monday encouraged violence on a tweet asserting the U.S. Supreme Court's leaked opinion draft will come for the LGBTQ plus community next. And she said uh, to my friend, uh, to my friends, the Supreme Court is coming for us next. The moment has to be a call to arms, a call to arms from a mayor of a giant city, Chicago said that. And she said, we will not surrender our rights without a fight. Uh, so I, you know, me, one, of, one, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead, I, I'm, I'm just saying that, that, that it's basically, it's, it's frightening when you have officials are basically calling for violence. I think that needs to be addressed. You know, I can't, it's almost unfathomable to even consider. Um, I know we have over the course of the last couple of years, uh, I mean, words matter, really looked very closely at what different people have said under what circumstances and in terms of inciting violence. You know, when we talk about um, riots and mobs and, you know, we're talking about this U.S. code section, I just want to point out that this isn't just something that applies to judges. It's actually anybody that pickets or parades with the intent of an interfering with, listen to the language, obstructing or impeding the administration of justice or with the intent of influencing any. It's not just influencing a judge, juror, witness, court officer in the discharge of their duty. You know, there are statutes like this on the books. It's almost like a public act occurs sometimes. And then all the lawyers run back and say, you know, this is actually illegal. It's in violation of these different. It's almost like it's the reverse of what we would expect to see where we assume. And of course, ignorance of the law is no excuse. We assume people know what the laws say. And if nothing else, at least out of respect, would be able to to appreciate the reality that everybody should be able to speak without fear of being harmed physically.
Yeah, oh, totally. And uh, I guess uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland is finally getting on board and trying to protect these justices. He should have been ahead of that uh, curve a little bit more. Well, they have, uh, you know, lots of justice. I mean, justices already have protection. So do federal judges. But is it enough? And that's the question that are being asked here is, is the protection that they already have enough for the times we live in. I would say that question's relevant to lots of different types of politicians at lots of different levels of government, is we wanna make sure from a threat assessment perspective, we're able to not only protect the community, but protect those that are in power and are making the tough decisions. We wanna protect them, they're gonna protect their safety. And we also don't want anything to in- interfere with their integrity and their independence in carrying out the roles to which they were elected to fulfill. Very, very important that we do that as well. Right. Yeah, I wanted to bring up another topic quickly. This is kind of my little rant, my commentary. So I exempt Wendy and the station on this. But I just wanted to mention, you know, they they just uh, set up uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, set up a disinformation governance board, and he appointed a 33-year-old by the name of Nina Jankowitz to be the executive director of that board. And I think this was in possibly in response to the fact that Elon Musk bought Twitter and he's going to open it up to all speech and not just speech that's uh, preferred by, by, by the left. And I just say, you know, imagine that, that the party that says men can get pregnant wants to control misinformation on the internet. You know, that that's kind of interesting that they, they would do that. But I also wanted to uh, point out that I just, uh, this week, I, I, Actually, it was this weekend I saw the movie uh, 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza, uh, which is, is so important. And, you know, my mother, she used to say, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Well, sorry, Mom, I'm going to modify your phrase. If you don't have election integrity, you don't have a country. Have you noticed that they have ballot drop boxes in every library in Southern California, uh, the Southern California County where I live, where we broadcast this show from. Uh, So you need to watch that, folks. You have to stream it on the Internet. You may find it in a theater. It's by Dinesh D'Souza. It's called 2000 Mules. And it proves beyond a reasonable doubt, in my opinion, that there was massive election fraud that that happened. And then how about having elections on one day? Uh, You know, like we used to have all of our lives. How about voter ID? Yes, we need ID for anything we do of any importance, to drive, to fly, to open a bank account. Why does the government think we're smart enough to have mandatory vaccine IDs, but we're too stupid to have voter IDs? Could it be there are people in our government who don't want election integrity because it would be it would make it too hard to cheat? like they did in Venezuela that ushered in the communist uh, communist regime down there. And look what they're doing to our southern border. Totally open, totally allowing anyone to come in, including hardworking people, but people who are nevertheless breaking the law, people who are taking cuts to the lead of the, uh, to the head of the line. And among those hardworking, law-abiding people are human traffickers, people that hurt other people, MS-13 gang members, people that are importing fentanyl that has killed uh, well over 50,000, if you include all the drug overdoses that they're bringing across the border, over 107,000 people just last year. And these are young people. That's nearly twice the number of people that died in the entire Vietnam War. And we're not controlling that. So I just think we need to really... um, 
Focus in on this election. Make sure that you vote. Make sure that you uh, tell your friends and relatives to vote. And then we just have to uh, cause our elected officials to ensure we have election integrity. That's everything. All right. And I'm sure your mother would not uh, object to the way you altered that phrase. That is very important. Um, Great conversation. Great topics. Please join us next week where we will be doing more of the same summarizing the headlines but at least as far as my half always with a silver lining have a wonderful weekend join us next saturday night for more of today with dr wendy have a great week and god bless you Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.